0: good now. Oh, we are good now. Oh, we're live. That AV team is cracked. They are on point today. I'm not just saying that because my wife is up there. They they are actually doing a great job. Oh, man. Oh, man. That time of prayer was... I'm not prepared now. (laughs) I was prepared before, but then... Oh, man. I... uh, I want to, Pat, that prayer was fire, girl. Holy smokes, like literally holy smoke. That was legit. I want to pray with like you when I grow up. Goodness, that was great. Okay. We're going to start in Colossians chapter four today. In Colossians chapter four, verse six, it says, let your words Be drenched in grace, tempered with truth and clarity, for then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks you about your faith. Now, I think that we can all agree that when questioned about our faith, our response should always be a reflection of that verse, right? Tempered with clarity and truth, drenched in grace, like that's some really great verbiage. Because we want the truth that we speak to be understandable, right? We don't want people to leave with more questions about Jesus than when they came and started asking about that, right? So we want to make sure that what we're about to speak is accurate and clear and drenched in grace, right? That means there's not a foul word in it. That the way that we communicate God's word is in love and grace, I believe that we can take these elements and apply them to more than just the way that we speak God's word to people. I believe that every response in our life to situations, to change, to decisions that are made without our or without our input, to other people in our lives, our response can be reflective of this verse, drenched always in grace and tempered with truth. Lately, God has been showing me that my response and my example are not aligned with what I'm saying, right? I want people to think that my response to every situation is drenched in grace and tempered with truth and clarity. And lately it has not been. And so I'm learning And as I learn, I grow, and I want to share that. And maybe you're in the same boat. Maybe we can grow together. Perhaps you're already a ninja at your responses. In that case, let's talk, because I want to learn and I want to grow. My desire as a member of the church is that we all grow together. Proverbs twenty seven, seventeen. Let me get there, I'll read it to you. Says iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. In the ERV it says, as one piece of iron sharpens another, so friends keep each, o- each other sharp. And that's what we do as the body of Christ. That's what the church does as a whole is we help each other improve. Where I'm not strong and you're strong, I learn from you. And where you're not strong, you learn from me. As a member of the church, that's what we want for each other is to be our best for God. (laughs) And so when I learn, I teach. (laughs) Because I want all of us together to be our best. That's why God teaches us, because God wants all of us to be our best. That's why we look to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hmm. The church can be better. And I want to do my part to make it better. So I want to own my own improvement, and I want to encourage you to own your improvement. Today we're going to be looking at responses. And that's the improvement that I want to own, and that's the improvement I want you to own, is how we respond. So that every response is drenched in grace and tempered with truth. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 3 of chapter 5. It says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you, as it is proper among the saints. And verse 4 says, Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Wow. Our words, right, when not properly aligned, hold company with some pretty awful stuff. (laughs) Proverbs um, 17 or 18, you don't have to turn there, but says that pow- uh, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So we may not think that our speech holds impact or carries power, but I assure you that it does. See, no one in a church would be like, oh, it's cool if you cheat on your wife and then covet your neighbor's stuff. Right? We'd be the first people to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoop, pump the brakes, slow down. There is something wrong here. Right? But I'm not that ruthless when it comes to my speech or the speech of the people around me. All too often, I'll just turn a blind eye and let that happen. But that's not okay. In Ephesians 4, just a chapter before, in verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only such which is good for building up as it fits the occasion. Right, The words that we speak... Our life or death, they are bi- they can be binary, right? They're either speaking truth and life or they're speaking death and, and lies. So we have to be careful and we have to be un- cognizant of what comes out of this mouth. Go to James chapter 3. I feel like I've been teaching this a lot or st- talking about this verse a lot. Certainly more than just this week, but just a lot recently. In verse 8, it says, No human being can tame the tongue, it is a relentless evil full of deadly poison. We feel like we understand that or have experienced that maybe. <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand, but like I, I do. I do. <laughs> now, I would like to point something out because this is something that I learned. This says that no human being can control the tongue, okay? And that means in my own strength, I'm never going to be able to filter 100% of what comes out of my mouth. Now, here's a question. Is the Holy Spirit a human being? No. Oh, snap. In Galatians chapter 5, it says if you walk in the Spirit, you will no longer desire the, uh, the, the things of the flesh, So in the spirit, are we using our own control then? No, no, no we're not. (laughs) How exciting is this? So while we grow, we have to acknowledge one very important thing, that the change that is being facilitated is not the change that I'm facilitating. I'm not going to be better at my responses because of my own sheer will, grit, and determination. However, It is a change that he is facilitating. And in that change, the Holy Spirit can work within me to will and to do of that good pleasure. Amen? We get this? Can we move on? You're comfortable? Guys online, you good? (laughs) All right. Shoot me an email if you're not, or call me. (laughs) We acknowledge that this change is not a change that we're making. It's a change that's being made in us. God is transforming our hearts to live to this if our speech is not reflective of God's nature, if we continually con, uh, excuse corrupt communication and foolish jesting, then when it comes time to be a light in the darkness, we are going to come off as hypocritical. right? If I'm always joking around with the guys at work in their vein, right, and I'm always coarse, then when it's time for me to stand up and say, guys, this isn't right, their whole history of knowing me has just been, well, this has always been right. Who are you? So I come off as holier than thou or I come off as a hypocrite. We want to be very aware of the things that people are speaking around us and we want to be very aware of the things that we're speaking. Go to, oh, we're in James, right? Yeah, let's go back to James chapter one. So this is two things that I've learned so far in improving my response. The first thing is to inject time. And what do I mean by that? I mean that in the time between when I hear something and when I respond, I'm going to consciously add some time, okay? James chapter 1, verse 19 says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In your life, has, the, has your anger in response to something ever produced a bit of righteousness? Nope. So this isn't false. This is truth, Right? All right. It's never happened for me. I've never flown off the handle and then been like, yes, I was totally right about that. <laughs> I have very quickly been like, oh, man, I wish I hadn't have said that. This is going to be a hard apology. <laughs> so we inject time. Sometimes we need to allow room for tempered truth and clarity. And there's nothing wrong with that. Quick to hear but slow to speak is all right. And it allows us to prepare an appropriate response. And the second thing I do is I test myself. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. No, chapter 13, sorry. 2 Corinthians 13, (laughs) verse 5. Paul writes to, to the believers in Corinth, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So what do I do? I test myself, right? I examine myself to see whether or not the things that I'm saying and the way that I'm behaving falls in line with the gospel that I'm called to preach. And if it doesn't, let's just tighten it up, guys. That's all, right? There's no need for like sorrow and and self-condemnation. And that's never going to be the appropriate response to realizing you're making a mistake. All right, let's, let's thank God for forgiveness and move forward. So I want to examine myself, I want to test myself. I want to know in one simple question, am I building up? If not, then we're just going to change. Now, it is not my job to parent you, okay? I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what to watch and what to listen to, what not to watch and what not to listen to. I can tell you for sure that what you consume rests in your heart. And Jesus Christ said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, if what you're consuming is an inverse proportion of bad to good, then what's going to come out? Bad. Hmm. Without parenting, just let me pass on some advice. Stop consuming things that Christ died to cleanse you of. Okay? Okay? Stop consuming things that Jesus Christ died and set you free from. <laughs> okay, <laughs> how we sp- how we respond to things, what we confess to ourselves, to the people around us, and in situations is a reflection of what we believe. Out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth will speak. Let's look at how Jesus Christ gives a great example of this. Go to John chapter 8. Excuse me. Okay, John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, verse 2. Early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses says that we have char- uh, that we should stone such a woman. What do you say? And they said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down, injecting time, and he wrote in the ground with his finger. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up, and he said to them, Let him who is out with, without sin... Be the first among you to cast a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on sin no more. Jesus Christ's response was to go and sin no more. Now there's a lot wrapped up in this, right? In, in that one sentence, there is forgiveness for her action. There is permission for her to now go and not stand before him to be judged. And there is an unspoken expectation that she could go and live in a life with sin no more. He did not say, fly away and be awesome. Because that's not a uh, a, a realistic response. You can't expect somebody that can't fly to fly, right? So he didn't say, fly away and be awesome. What did he say, though? He said, go and sin no more. So the idea that she could was was realistic. Out of the abundance of his heart, Jesus Christ spoke, sin no more. And there was a confession of belief in another person do something how we respond what we confess both to ourselves and to others and about situations that we're in is a reflection of what we believe for jesus christ he believed that she could go and sin no more christ does it again in mark 2 he does it every time like you can just see we're not going to go there and read the record but mark 2 is a man is a uh, the record of a man that was lame and got healed okay you know what we got time let's read mark 2 we're just we're gonna do this we'll start in verse 2 and many were gathered together so that there was no more room not even in the door and Jesus was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get him in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and they lowered him down. And Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now when some of the scribes the, uh, were sitting there, questioned hi- the, Excuse me. when some of the scribes were sitting there, They questioned in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive but God alone? And immediately, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they thus questioned them within themselves. And he said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and take your bed and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately see the expectation for jesus christ was that i will speak and believe this and it will happen the response was not to get mad at the at the scribes that were questioning him the response was drenched in grace tempered in truth Let's go back to that verse in Colossians. Carolyn, you pull that up for me, please. Mm -hmm. The things that you know about God and his son are worth sharing. They're worth talking about. They should be the first things out of our mouth as a response. There is a a Bible verse for every situation, I promise you. (laughs) Let every word that we speak be drenched in grace and tempered with truth and clarity. Father, we pray this right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that over this household, over all the people that are on the stream, that starting today, our response will be like Jesus. That starting today, the words that we speak will be drenched in grace, tempered in truth, God. And that we will be holy examples of light in this dark world, Father. We thank you, God, that we are not limited to the conversation that's at hand, but we can change it. And we pray for the boldness to do that, Father. We thank you that you are good and gracious. We thank you, Father, for this week to be an excellent opportunity for all of us to shine as your lights, to do that will, that work that you have called us to do. Father, we pray for opportunities to stand before you as good and faithful servants. And we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you guys. We sure love you.